G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graeme Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Thanks for those that have been booking in with me for the private one-on-one coaching. It's been very uplifting and it's been so great to help so many people in such a short space of time. If you do want to get some one-on-one coaching and some advice from me, you're just struggling a bit or you might want to get going or you might have a few issues in maintenance, come and have a chat to me. You can do that in private by going to the website www.thefastinghighway.com. Click on Coaching, Get Help and book a time with me all times you see will be in your local time zone and irrelevant charges there. That's www.thefastinghighway.com to book in for the private one-on-one coaching with me. Okay, folks, let's get on with today's podcast. Okay, folks, let's get on with today's podcast, and I'm going to be speaking with Linda Dicker. And Linda is a 58-year-old stay-at-home mum with eight children, and she and her husband live in the U.S. in rural Virginia. And for the past 29 years, Linda has used her degree in education to homeschool all of her children through high school, with the youngest graduating this spring. And weight gain has been a real struggle for Linda since childhood. And as a teen, she always felt bigger than her thin friends and began dieting at the age of 15. And as an adult, Linda always had a desire to be healthy and to feed her family a healthy diet. But her love of sugar and emotional dependence on food often sabotaged her efforts to lose weight. And then she discovered intermittent fasting, and the rest, as they say, is history. So here to tell her amazing story is Linda Dicker. Oh, g'day, Linda, and welcome to the Fasting Highway, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, Graham. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you here, all the way from Roanoke there in Virginia, as we heard in the intro, but... Linda, for all the people around the world listening to this podcast, if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit of your backstory and history with health, weight, that type of thing, and, and we'll get to where you started with intermittent fasting. Sure. Uh, first, I'll say that I am uh, I am not one of those people who jumped in with both feet and got it right, right off. Uh, I did a lot of in and out and dabbling, and uh, I hope that's an encouragement to other people who maybe feel intimidated by uh, I just marvel at people who can just go straight into one meal a day and alternate day uh, I really eased into it uh, but I started uh, my story really I've struggled with my weight all my life I was kind of a chubby kid uh, in high school I just I was no obese but I felt bigger than my friends and uh Ironically, the first diet I remember going on, I was 15, was fasting, 
but it wasn't good fasting like we do. Uh, I would chew bubble gum. I would go seven days without eating and chew bubble gum, and which of course kept my sugar going constantly. But uh, that just started my my up and down. You know, I'd lose that weight and gain it back. Um, uh, gained some more weight through college. In uh, 1995, I met my husband. At that time, I think I was doing a fat-free thing, but I didn't want to scare him off. <laughs> so I started cooking good food again, and uh, my weight just just climbed. And uh, uh, as you know, we have eight children. I had had two with my first marriage. And uh, uh, I spent a lot of years just busy, feeding my family, taking care of my family, homeschooling, and uh, it was difficult to diet because I had a whole family to feed, uh, but I would I would get determined and I would lose 50, 75 pounds, and then I would give up and it would come back on. And, uh, you know, Jen wrote the book, uh, Fast, Feast, Repeat. I feel like I could write a book, Lose, Gain, Repeat, because as so many people have done over and over and over again. Uh, my laundry list of diets, uh, of course, I started with the fasting in a bad way. I uh, did Nutrisystem. Uh, I read some books, uh, Diet Alternative, which looking back was really a good, uh, it was a good book. It was just really just looked at historical biblical history when god fed people he fed them twice a day morning and evening and so the book was saying just eat twice a day uh, and i did it for a while but without any internet any support anything back then uh it kind of fell by the wayside um i did the fat free thing i did weight watchers a few times like many people uh we went vegetarian for a year uh, that was actually, I got pretty healthy, I think, but I just, I wanted meat, and uh, <laughs> I got tired of salad, and, and that went by the by as well. Uh, we did Whole30. Uh, we laughingly call it Whole7, because that's how long we lasted on it. Uh, morning till night in the kitchen, it was so much work, I just couldn't do it. Uh, I did a program called Way Down. Uh, it, it, a good takeaway from that was that we, uh, it was based on hunger and full. You don't eat until you're hungry and you stop when you're full. Well, that kind of puts you into a bit of a fasting routine. Uh, but there were some faults with that. Uh, and it was, I gained it back again. Um, also the, uh, probably the last big loss I had was on something called Trim Healthy Mama. Uh, which a lot of ladies would probably recognize. Uh, you split your fats and your carbs. You can't have them at the same time. So what you end up doing uh, is you make fake, like, you know, you use almond flour to make your bread so that you can have cheese on it and things like that. And uh, I really got tired of the fake food and I just wanted real food. You know, and it, I always just thought, some people can be thin and just eat. What is wrong with me that I can't do that? You know, why do I have to count every bite? And why do I have to make up these things? Uh, my sons called it uh, my almond flour nut dust. 
And they said, Mom's cooking with nut dust again. But uh, I got tired. I just got so tired of all that. Um, and then the weight would come back on. Uh, probably, uh, probably for about 10 years, I hovered right around 225 pounds. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know what that is in the, the kilograms, but uh, I would go up and I would go down and kind of hang around there. Um, and amazingly, I felt pretty healthy. Uh, I had a good start in life and I, I feel like I uh, wasn't really having health issues. Uh, but about seven years ago, my feet really started hurting uh, my heels just very painful my toes were going numb then i looked one down down one day and they were going blue and uh, i said uh oh <laughs> i don't know a lot but i know diabetes diabetics lose their feet and i went to the doctor and uh, uh it was a do and uh she really helped me to get a handle on the neuropathy helped me to focus on health, but I still, I was always trying to be healthy, and yet I still couldn't keep the weight off. Uh, so uh, about two years after that, about five years ago, I don't remember how, but I came across Dr. Fung online, and I started, I got some of his books and was reading on the fasting, and that made sense to me. I think something in me knew that this this is probably right you know uh but i didn't quite i wasn't quite getting all the pieces together uh and losing weight with it then uh then we had the pandemic and uh like a lot of people i put on even more weight uh during that time and uh finally my weight topped out at 253 pounds which i believe is a 115 kilograms and I was absolutely miserable. I didn't want to leave the house during the pandemic or any time because nothing looked good on me. I just was miserable. And uh, I thought 250, 300 is going to be around the corner and I, I have to do something to stop this. <laughs> then, uh, then something happened that really, really impacted me. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. The, uh, my husband and I were taking our two youngest daughters on a little spring break trip. And we went to an amusement park. And, of course, they wanted to ride all the roller coaster rides. And there are so many obese people nowadays that they have a little one of the ride seats there at the beginning of the line so you can check to be sure you fit in it. Uh, I fit in some. I didn't in others. Uh, so a lot of times I had to go just wait for them at the end and my husband would take them on the rides. And uh, I was able to walk throughout the day, but uh, I was feeling badly about that. But before we left, we said, you know, that first roller coaster we went on, we were all able to go on and it was fun. Let's go do that one more time before we leave. So we went and got in line and I didn't try the seat because I'd already been on the ride. But apparently I expanded a little more during the day and I got in there and I could not get fastened in. My husband's trying me. We end up with two of the attendants. Everybody else is ready to go and they're trying to squish me into this seat and we couldn't get it. So here I am, everyone's on the ride. Everyone's waiting in line on the one side 
and I have to get off the ride and stay on there on that platform all by myself. And uh, it was demoralizing. It was absolutely demoralizing. Uh, so I walked down the steps to meet my kids at the end of the ride. And I said, this is it. This is it. I, I, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to live like this. Because it wasn't just roller coasters. You know, it was the kayaking trips and the hiking trips and the swimming that I always had an excuse to not go because I didn't want to get out there and not fit in the seat, you know. So uh, I just, uh, I said something else changed. Well, you know, it just so happened that uh, just before that trip, I had ordered a book called The Fasting Highway. And it came right before we left, so I carried it along with me. Well, after that experience, all the way home from Tennessee, I read, I think I finished the book before we got home. And your book just really resonated with me, uh, your story, and really just made me feel like there was a way out. And uh, so as soon as I got home, I uh, joined the Facebook group, and uh, I went to work. And uh, the next three months, I lost 20 pounds, uh, just nine kil kilograms. And I was excited and I was feeling like I finally found it. I'm on my way. And then uh, COVID found me. Uh, my daughters got COVID. My husband and I got it. They all got better and I didn't. I got sicker and sicker. And uh, by the time I went to the hospital, they had me, they kind of had me on the death route. I was wondering why they weren't giving me water. Well, they were going to put me on the the uh, ventilator. And we kept fighting that because I thought, I'll never come off. Uh, you have a 13% chance of survival once you go on that ventilator. And uh, But eventually, I started having internal bleeding, and I had to go on the ventilator. I was on it for, I think, about 10 days. And uh, God intervened. My, my lungs began to heal, and I was able to get off the ventilator, and I was able to come home. I was so weak when I got off that I could not even, I was trying to text my husband. They gave me a phone, and I kept dropping it. I was too weak to hold my cell phone, and the doctor would look in. Apparently, my blood pressure was going up, doing nothing but trying to text on my phone. Uh, so I was absolutely to ground zero. Uh, it took me, it took me a long time to recover, probably about nine months, uh, six months to get off of oxygen. I had to learn to walk again. But during that time of recovery, I went back on Facebook and I was on the Fasting Highway group, uh, my favorite group. Uh, and I was just watching and I was, my brain was mush after all that, but I was kind of coming back into Saying these people are still there and it's still working. And uh, I just wanted to get back into it. So by January, <coughs> this, a year ago, uh, about after nine months, I determined I'm going to get back into it. So I got back into and I, I got my little chart and I'm not going to miss a day. And January passed, February, I'm into March and still I haven't lost any weight. In fact, I've gained back the weight from being sick and uh i thought well clearly i'm eating too much 
uh, during my window. So I was doing about a 16 or 18 hour fast. And uh, I hadn't read Jen Stevens' books yet, or I would have known better, but I pulled one of my old calorie counting books off the shelf and I said, I just got to rein in what I'm eating during my fast. Uh, and then I'm really going to lose, or during my eating window, I thought, then I'm really going to lose weight. I did lose weight a little, but obviously I couldn't, I couldn't do that for very long, all the calorie counting. So I, I took a break for about three months. I didn't fast. I didn't diet. I just ate. And uh, a friend gave me a book called Alive by Dr. Scott Stoll. And it really revolutionized my thinking toward food. And it really turned me on to whole food and why we need whole food. And so I, I knew I had to, I knew I was going to have to give up sugar and that processed food to get my body right. Um, my doctor had also diagnosed me with a systemic, uh, what was it, candida overgrowth. Basically, my whole body just had too much sugar and I was having symptoms coming out everywhere. And I, she was gonna put me on a regimen to cl a cleanse. So I thought, well, if I'm ever gonna quit sugar, this is the time. So I let go of sugar and I I lived by my sweets, you know. Uh, I let go of the sugar, I let go of the processed food. I did that cleanse and then I eased back into the fasting uh, because once that sugar was gone, my whole body just kind of heaved a sigh of relief. The cravings went down. Then I was able to fast uh, back to the 16, 18 hour, but I didn't have all the cravings wanting me to eat too much when I did eat. So that was really kind of the magic ticket. And from July to December of this last year, I lost another 30 pounds. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So that was 50 pounds altogether. Um, and that's 24 kilograms that I lost. I was losing at a rate of about five pounds a month or two and a quarter kilograms. <laughs> Kind of slow and steady, but I was losing. Um, I was still eating two or three meals, but good, healthy, wholesome food. Um, and I kind of always knew eventually I'm probably going to have to do this one meal a day thing, but I was kind of scared of it. Uh, but I finally got Delay, Don't Deny, and I read that uh, just a couple weeks ago. And uh, finally was convinced one meal a day, I, I need to do one meal a day because I had gained some weight over Christmas and January just wasn't really coming off. So a week ago, Monday, I started one meal a day. And this has just been so exciting. I never, I did not imagine that one meal a day, I would feel so good. And it, I just feel like my body really likes this. And I just want to tell you real quick a couple things that uh, have happened just in the last nine days doing this. Uh, by day three, I thought, you know, I'm going to follow Jen's lead and I'm going to make some rolls and we're going to have bread with butter with our dinner. And I had soup and salad and bread and I ate, first ate a roll and it was so good with that butter. I ate some salad and I ate uh, soup and all of a sudden I got this strong, full signal. And I had never really had that. As a kid, <clears throat> I used to think everybody's full. I could keep eating. You know, I just somehow I just didn't get that signal. 
But here I was, and I wanted another roll, and I was kind of sad because I had to stop eating. But then it hit me what had happened. In three days of eating one meal a day, my body kicked in and said, you, uh, you've had enough. And I stopped. And every day I've been doing this, I'll weigh, and I have a little less and a little less. And we went out to eat. We went to a banquet at the Church of Valentine Banquet. And by eating that one meal, I'm able to eat. I'm being mindful of when I'm full. But I, that's gotten my weight going back down, and I've been so excited. And one thing you might appreciate, Graham, is that uh, uh, you're always saying to eat what makes you feel great. And I didn't really understand that because I thought, well, everything makes me feel good that I eat because I like to eat. But uh, I started noticing eating one meal a day that I would really feel good throughout the day. Uh, we eat about uh, between like one and four o'clock. And, uh, and, and it clicked. That's what you're talking about. Uh, when you eat well, and you're doing that fasting, you just start feeling good. It just feels like your body is right, and it's where it's need to be. So I'm really glad. Uh, I'm glad to be reading uh, Jen's books because I'm getting that knowledge, and that's so motivating. Uh, and it just drives it all deep, you know, that you understand what's going on. So I'm so excited. You know, I'm 58 years old. Uh, getting ready to retire from 29 years of homeschooling and 35 years of raising kids and i feel like i have a new lease on life and uh, fantastic fantastic what a great backstory linda that's ama amazing really resonated with me i was trying not to choke up there listening to that story about the roller coaster because i i can so resonate with that i remember yeah. getting chucked off a helicopter and um in the Grand Canyon, they said, no, you're too heavy, mate. You can't get on it. And I, was, I remember the same sort of feeling, just demoralizing watching that chopper fly away, thinking, man, I've got to do something about this. But it was a, many years later that I actually took stock. And, you know, a similar catalyst moment. I think we all have those moments, don't we, where it finally breaks us and we just go, you know, enough's enough. I've had enough. And you had it on that roller coaster. And you said to your family, I'm done. You read my book, The Fasting Highway, on the way home resonated with you and that's the thing about you know you can read all sorts of books about science and whatever but when you read a personal story about someone that had similar struggles as you are and you have those sorts of events and battles with sugar and everything else it really hits home and i think that's really important for people when you're looking for information you're looking for science go to the right place dr funds of the world that type of thing you know if you're looking for a you know personal story maybe you might get some benefit from my book but yeah that's important and thank you for sharing that but you know, you, you're talking about when you first started there, and I'm really sorry you got COVID and how crook you got with that. And um, I'm so glad that you're here, Linda, because the world needs you. Thank and you. Your family needs you as well. And it sounds like that was a very close call. And we pause and remember those that we've lost with COVID, of course, and we thank all our emergency and frontline workers for what they've done out there. But let's get back, strip it right back to when you started, Linda. And so you obviously had the message of the clean fast and that down pat to you about that. And then you work through that sort of protocol. When you first started, has your protocol changed much to what it has now? Uh, I really built up so slowly in the beginning. I, I just, I, I stopped eating at night. Nighttime eating was a big thing. And then I stretched out my morning eating and, and I 
pretty much once I had that 16 to 18 hour, it was about a 10 in the morning to about four in the afternoon. And I kind of stayed with that. Uh, my What I ate in my window improved, but I kind of stayed with that time uh, just until this last weekend going to the one meal a day. Yeah. So over time, you just, and that's what we do, don't we? We tend to gravitate towards that higher quality food and, and we start craving that. And as time goes on, that will probably even improve for you further. And I'm really glad you got that message about eating what makes you feel great. Because that's so important. We don't want to go to bed feeling like rubbish. Remember all the years that we'll go to bed, Linda, and we'd feel horrible and roll around right. and we couldn't sleep and had all these funny aches and pains and all that from the types of food that we were digesting. The sugar was really driving a lot of that. And I'm really impressed how you took stock of that too and, and you sort of dealt with that sugar problem um, and had that cleanse sort of thing. And then you went into IF again because I always say to people, if you're heavily addicted to sugar and you've got issues with sugar – you really need to deal with that first as a side right. issue because it's so important right. because what you're doing is when you're starting intermittent fasting and you're a sugar addict, you're, you're taking the two things in together and that could be really hard for people and, and they struggle. But speaking of struggles, let's go through them when you first started and you, you were trying to get used to this lifestyle. <laughs> what do you think were your biggest struggles at the start? Uh, well, when I before I gave up sugar, that like you said, that was huge because the cravings. Um, nighttime eating was a big thing because uh, we were we just kind of have the routine of in the, at night the TV goes on, the snacks come out, and you feel like you can't you can't sit and watch something on the television without some food. And I, I just really had to, just took a lot of determination to break that habit. Um, and that was probably the biggest personal thing. Uh, the thing that I still struggle with some is that uh, we have three, our three youngest kids still at home, a teenager and two young adults. And they don't, you know, they, they kind of do their own breakfast lunch thing. I don't have to cook for them. But I smell food, uh, cooking, uh, I see everyone eating and at night if they want to have snacks. And I really just had to come to a place that I just said, this is what I'm doing. This is when I'm eating. I'm just not going to be able to eat when everybody else eats if I want to get better. And uh, once I really nailed that down and got used to that pattern, uh, it's not as hard. Yeah. Yeah, it can be a bit of a struggle, particularly when you're seeing other people eat in the house at regular times and you're not. You know, you sort of go for a walk and you walk past cafes or bakery, you see everybody out, you know, having a whale of a time, yeah. sitting down, drinking, eating, and you're sort of yeah. thinking, well, you know, I'm fasting. And that can be a challenge. And, and I always say to people with intermittent fasting, the actual, you know, the, the process of fasting is quite simple to break down. You're fasting in a pattern of time, you're eating in a pattern of time, right? So it's pretty simple in that respect. But the right. mental side of it is extremely difficult for some people. And I have a lot of people come to me for help, and that's the main thing, the mindset and the mental side of it, being able to cope with these issues. And we work through them. So, yeah, that's it can be a challenge when you first start. But let's talk also about that eating window. I just wanted to zero in on that a bit and how much that's improved. And you mentioned about the appetite correction, and that's kicking in for you now. That's what's happened to you this past week right. where you've right. had that signal. It's almost deafening, isn't it? You sit there and you just go, wow. I can switch off yeah. now. I, feel I was astonished. 
Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that a bit more and when, how that was different to when you were eating in your window before and you were still trying to work that out. Well, I think at first I would, uh, it was hard to get through that fasting time. So when it, my window opened, I would just eat anything I wanted to eat and kind of continuously, you know, I would eat something, then a little bit of snack and snack and snack. So I was probably getting all the food I had been eating in a, just a narrow portion of time. Uh, and I, it just seemed to kind of naturally, especially, like I said, once the junk food was out of there, um, to not feel like I needed to eat like that. And then I kind of started to intentionally say, uh, okay, now, for instance, right now, we uh, I make a green smoothie for my husband and I when he gets home from work, and we open our window and uh, we have that green smoothie. And... Uh, then I say, okay, I might feel like I want something else, but I'm not going to be hungry in a couple hours. I'm going to have to have dinner. And I just kind of have to tell myself, no, uh, that, that I can wait. And the more I do it, the easier it gets. Yeah, it's just practice, isn't it? And so yeah. tell us with the UOMAD regime that you're doing, how does that look? Is that more like a restaurant style, like you're opening with that green smoothie, you're waiting a while, you're having your main, and then sort of if you feel like a dessert, you might have one, that type of thing, and then you close your window? And is that right. how it rolls? That's, that's pretty much what we're doing. Uh, occasionally, we won't do the green smoothie, but uh, most days we're doing that. Uh, and right, I'll, I'll cook a meal a couple hours later, and it'll be a full meal. And uh, if we want a little bit of piece of dark chocolate or a date or something I'm we might have something like that and uh then we're done now my husband has lost about 40 pounds uh through the intermittent fasting really just doing doing what I tell him but uh he he's more of a maintenance now so he might eat some nuts or something later in the evening but but I'm done for the night I go brush my teeth and I'm finished that's it yeah Oh, congratulations to your husband, by the way, and uh, good on Thank him you. for joining you. And he's obviously seen your results and how vibrant and healthy you look. And he's thought, you know, I want some of that too. But let's talk about what we uh, mentioned in the fasting communities, the non-scale victories and the health benefits now, Linda. A lot of us have many of those. Did you find some of those coming for you? Uh, yeah, probably the most exciting recently is just this, that that hunger uh, that that fullness stop was huge to me because it makes me feel normal and it makes me give hope, have hope that I can become a normal eating person. I always do the fasting, but to be able to just know when to stop that was exciting to me. Um, the uh, um, one when I came home from the hospital with COVID, I had a handful of pills I had to take medicine, and it was a goal to get off all those medications. And uh, gradually, I did. And uh, as of just this January, uh, I was able to get off the blood pressure medicine, and that was the last one. So uh, completely off any medications from that COVID experience, and that was that was a big deal to me to get off to be able to get off that medication. 
Uh, and of course, the compliments and the things. I had to lose about 50 pounds before people really started to notice. But uh, then it seemed like all of a sudden uh, people are noticing, and that's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, I see the vibrancy in people that do fasting. That's what I first noticed. Like whenever I oh, yeah. interview interview people like this on the podcast or if I'm doing a private mentoring call one-on-one with people as I do now, and, you know, I look at them and, and people that have been doing fasting for a while, it's the vibrancy and the brightness yeah. and the skin and the lo- lovely look that they have and the eyes are bright and everything like that. You can really yeah. see that oozing out yeah. and the happiness as well. Because we all know that, you know, when we're obese and we're heavy and we have moments like the roller coaster or planes that I've had in my life, it's really demoralizing and you can get really unhappy and go into some dark places. Yeah. And I think yeah, I was, I was the depression was an issue for me before I started. Uh, not suicidal depression, but just uh kind of crippling you know not really being able to do what i needed to do and uh that's just gone uh things happen gradually sometimes you don't notice but yeah yeah was that driven by your weight linda the the depression do you think or a mix of things i think it was probably uh despondency about my weight and probably also just my body being unhealthy uh from the way that i was eating yeah, not feeling good, and that can really send us into a tailspin. I probably spent 20 years in a depressed state and, you know, not feeling that great about myself right. and self-loathing. And I always say to people, you know, that's why I turned the corner, because I started talking to myself in a more positive manner. I practice daily self-affirmations of positivity. I still do that to this day. I wake up in the morning, you know, you know what, Graham, it's going to be a good day today. You're a good person. You're doing good in the intermittent fasting community. You're going to do a podcast with Linda. It's going to be great. So I have all these things that I drive myself with every day. And it only takes a couple of minutes to sort of set your mindset into a yeah. positive frame. And I think that's important. And like yesterday was Valentine's Day, obviously, and people sharing love with their Valentine all around the world and their secret admirers and all the rest of it. But it's really important we save some of that love for ourselves. And I mean, you're a mum of eight children. You so much love to give out. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But do you practice sort of positivity the way you see yourself now? Uh, I don't have like a meditation routine, but I do. uh, I have a, a folder uh in on my computer with things that will trigger that uh inspirational stories and my goals and uh things like that that will lift me up and if i find myself i do try to stay in that mindset that uh i am getting healthier i am i'm actually doing this i'm on the path i'm i'm moving forward with this and if i start to lose that then I'll get in that folder and I'll look at pictures and I'll read stories and uh, remind myself of where I'm going, look at my goals. Yeah. And that helps kind of pull me back up. Now, let's talk about the motherhood now. I mean, eight children. Wow. It's incredible. I've got two children. I'll tell you what, that was that was plenty for me. But um, eight kids is amazing. Let's Let's hear about that a bit. I mean, obviously... The weight gain and the weight loss from that. You said you could write a book, you know, fast, lose, uh, regain, that sort of thing. And and let's talk about the eight kids and the fasting and the family get-togethers with the big dinners and everything else. How do you sort of handle all that as a mum of eight children? 
Uh, that has been a struggle uh, the last two years that I'm trying to eat healthier in the holidays. Uh, I used to, I did what my mom did, uh, come Christmas time, the trays of sweets and homemade goodies come out, and I loved doing that, uh, but I found that I can't, that sugar, we just don't need all that. So I've, I've cut back uh, the last couple of years, and this year, uh, a friend of mine gave me a suggestion, and I thought it was so good, that uh, you ask the kids, what are your favorite things that I make? And then you give them the recipe, and they get to be the hero bringing this great recipe to the holiday. Uh, and it can be there, and I can take it or not take it. But what I can't handle is bringing in all that sugar into my kitchen and, and baking and cooking. And, of course, that takes weeks, and I, I just can't do that. So I just tell them I can't, I can't make that anymore, but I will give you the recipe, and you can bring it. And so then it's one day. They bring it. Uh, we divvy it all up, and they, they take it away with them, and that makes it easier to handle that. Yeah. And what do you kids like about your intermittent fasting lifestyle? Are they supportive of it? Um, I don't, I don't think the, the, the fasting, I think they're fine with, uh, all the crazy diets, uh, that they would end up having to eat some of that stuff. They, they didn't like all that. Uh, so yeah, I think being able to fast and then be able to eat a normal meal, I think that's better with them because, you know, we can get together for that meal and I can eat what I need and everybody's happy. Have you got any grandchildren as yet with the eight kids? We have 11 grandchildren. Wow, 11 grandchildren, far out. See, you think about it, you've, you've lost all this weight, you've refound your health at 58, and you're only a young woman, Linda, let's face it, and you've got all these years ahead of you to see your grandchildren grow up and run around after them, and, you know, no doubt they'll be coming to, you know, grandma and granddad's place for holidays and weekends and that sort of thing, and it must be, it's a great feeling, isn't it, that you've got all this to look forward to in your life. It really is because, um, you know, our youngest is 16 years old, and I feel like I already missed all those opportunities to do fun things with them because I was too big to go, you know, get in that kayak and climb the mountain. And I feel like it's another chance to take my grown kids and their children and to be able to do those things together. And uh, that's a gift, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. I mean, my girls aren't married yet. They're, um, my oldest is 23 and my youngest is 21. And uh, I'm looking forward to the day where I do have grandchildren. And like you said, it's yeah. almost redemption, isn't it? I mean, you heard me it talk is. about the years of my girls' school life and I avoided all the parents' running races. I avoided the parents' swimming races. And, you know, I right. really felt like I was an embarrassment to my girls really at school because I was right. so obese, you know, and it was... They never said anything about it. Kids love you unconditionally. They don't care what size right. you are, right? They, you're just right. their mum or dad, and that's it, you know. And, but I'm sure they got sort of challenged a bit about it, and you know, sort of teased a bit. But they never talk about it. They just say, you know what, Dad, we love you for who you are, and we don't care how big you are, you know. So don't feel bad about you know coming right. to an event or something like that. But I did, and and I, I just had this psychological right. thing, and I think it really was tragic that I missed out on those years. But like you said, we've got all this to look forward to now. And I think that's the right. great thing. Don't wait till it's too late to take stock of your health because you're never too old to start, are you? Right. And I think that is, uh, I think what you are doing 
with writing your book and doing the the Facebook group and the podcast. I know that's a lot of work and time, but you're giving people their lives back. Uh, you know, and that's something you can't even put a price on. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, it's great when I get messages from all over the world and hearing from people that have read my book and have become success stories that have changed their lives. And they say, you know what, you've changed my life. And it's really, it's humbling to hear that. And, you know, it's to think that you just by sharing your story, you can do that. But that's what communities are all about. And you mentioned there, like back in the day, you sort of were doing diets, but there was no support then like what we have now right. online, that sort of thing. These types of groups like the Fasting Highway, there was nobody. There was You might have had a circle of friends that might have been doing the same diet, but there was nobody that you could plug into in the middle of the night if you needed support. But now it's there, isn't it? And that's why groups like the Fasting Highway. And how's that been for you, that sort of support network? Oh, that's been, that's been critical for me. Uh, I didn't have anyone really here. My husband is always supportive. Uh, I didn't have any groups uh, that were doing that. So to have that that group, and there's just something about, you know, this is not, nobody's selling bottles of product. These are just people giving honest, genuine experiences. And to see that there's something about seeing it over and over and over and this person, another person, another person. And you finally have to admit, if they can do this, I can do this. And hundred percent. Uh, I remember when I first started and I, I tuned into a Facebook group and I sat there scrolling through posts for like must have seemed hours sitting in the hammock out the back here. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I thought, well, yeah. yeah, if one one person was talking about this or two people were talking about this, I'd be skeptical. And I was still skeptical. I kind of thought the sound of intermittent fasting was a bit crazy to be truthful when I first heard about it. Yeah. Or was it some sort of weird cult? Do they all live on a farm? Do they go out at a certain time and eat and come back in and sing Kumbaya around their eating window? Or how does it work? And then once I actually really got into it and I started doing some research and I read Jin's book, and then I started getting into the communities. I was convinced that there was something in it. So that's why I wanted to try it. But the biggest thing for me was it was simple. It was simple. And all we had to do right. was fast in a period of time, give our organs a rest from digestion, and just delay in the time when we started eating. And then over time, I learned, eat what makes me feel my greatest. But like you, I'd got sugar out of my system before I come to fasting. So I found right. that a bit easier. My cravings and that were a lot. They certainly weren't gone. And a recovering sugar, you know, addict always has it in the back of their mind. That's why I talk about vigilance right. without obsession, as you probably heard me mention. So right. that's a really good way to live my life now. Vigilance without obsession is what I call this lifestyle. Right. I agree. And that uh, sugar, I still have to, uh, I, I'm not going to start eating it. Uh, we had this banquet and I planned all day. I'm going to let myself have a dessert. And they had a wonderful cheesecake, and it was really enjoyable. And I was really happy to see that I didn't seem to have any any bad consequences of that the next day. I wasn't having cravings. And, uh, of course, it was with a meal, and it was a small amount. But I'm not going to have I'm not going to have it in my house and be baking cookies and, and stuff. I guess you just have to know your limits and know what you can do. Yeah. How did your shopping sort of change, do you think, Linda, over the last two years? Or what were you doing? What were sort of some of the techniques in changing that shopping cart? Uh, well, I have, for years, since since I have a large family, kind of made me 
make a menu and a shopping list and I know what I need when I go. Uh, if the kids are with me, uh, it's a little harder because they want to grab stuff. But now that I go by myself, I make that list. And uh, there's been times where uh, the donuts and, you know, the bakery kind of look good. But uh, I just have to turn. Literally, uh, I love candy corn. Uh, and when it came out in the season, I, d I wasn't expecting it. It caught me off guard. And I walked up and there it was. And I literally was saying, take another step, take another step, take another step. And I walked myself out of there and got out. Uh, so there are times when it's very challenging. But for the most part, I'm really surprised now that I don't have sugar in my system. I just go and I get the things, the healthy foods that we need. And I go out and I kind of, maybe it's a bit of a game in my mind. But I remind myself, wow, look how much better you're taking care of yourself these people i wish they knew better or they wouldn't they wouldn't be buying the the cakes and things uh i'm thankful that i've learned and i'd be telling myself that in the grocery store i'm so thankful i've learned better and if i kind of keep uh talking that way to myself in the store then that helps me stay in the right frame of mind and not grab something that i don't need yeah a lot if of it's the not time. in the house i don't need it <laughs> Yeah, that's true. If you don't bring it in the house, you're not eating it. That's 100% correct. But, you know, it's impulse buying a lot of the times. People walk down these aisles, they'll grab a packet of biscuits, they'll grab something right. sugary, they'll grab the donuts, they'll grab the, the corn or whatever it is. Um, you know, but it's just taking that time to, when you're trying to get out of that, I started shopping around the perimeter first. And by, just by doing that and right. staying out of the aisle straight away, you cut it down right. by 60%, right? You right. start off in the fruit and veg, you go to the meat section, you go to the dairy section. Pretty soon, your trolley's looking pretty good, or as we call them here, trolleys. Yeah. You guys call them shopping carts, I know. And then, you know, that's a really good technique. But the other thing is, if you are in those aisles and you see all that stuff and it's a temptation, and a lot of times you'll just grab it and stick it in the trolley, even though you're saying to yourself, no, I don't want it, no, I don't want it, but yeah. it's in your trolley. You're going up to the checkout. You're going to go out with it. So I always say to people, stop, take a pause, think about it. Is this going to serve me? and my health goals to what I'm trying to achieve with intermittent fasting. Take yeah. that 10-second yeah. pause, reflect, think about it. That's if you have a problem with sugar. Not everybody does, and a lot of people know what moderation is, so they're okay. But there's a lot of us, Linda, like myself, like you, that went through a challenge with sugar, and it's very hard because – it's been ingrained this a whole life, you know, that it's been a, a, right. what we did. It's just what we did. It's right. how we ate. And we didn't know any different. And you don't know what you don't know. And now we do know it's that education you're talking about. Look at nutrition labels, finding out what the fake names of sugar are. I always used to think, hey, if it says no sugar in this, then I'm able to eat it. But then I started looking into it and I thought, yeah, I might say no sugar, but it's got 32 other sugars in it with fake names. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the uh, artificial sweeteners are even worse than the sugar itself. Uh, you know, sugar-free doesn't mean it's something that's going to be good in your body. I love that. I learned from Jen Stevens' book that, that uh, the thing about the sweet taste in your mouth, um, artificial sweetened fruit drink things, that's still releasing insulin in your body. Uh, you know, it's still not something that's really going to move you forward. Uh, to better health. So, yeah, yeah I, I have my list, and I know I got to go to this aisle, then I run over this aisle, and I kind of just 
I don't go up and down every aisle. I run to the things I need and then around the back and out. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it too. But, you know, and it's just that education, isn't it? Just teaching ourselves and looking into it yeah. and really studying, you know, what nutrition is all about, what sugars and what food. And that's what I had to do because in order to know your enemy, you've got to find out what's in what. And sugar was my enemy. It made me an obese guy for all my life because I was right. addicted to this stuff, same as fast food. So I learned what was in fast food. I, I learned what right. chemicals they were using in these chain stores. And once you actually look into it and you see it, you just go, oh, my God, I don't really want to eat this yeah. stuff anymore. But that's not to say we judge anybody for what they eat. We have to make right. that clear because people have got to make that choice for themselves. If they want to eat that stuff, knock yourself out. But if it's not serving you and you're trying to get to a health goal, then maybe you need to sit down and have a look into the truth machine and say to yourself, is this stuff really going to serve me? And then you work it out for yourself. And it's important for us not to preach to people to say, don't eat this and don't eat that. They've got to work it out for themselves. But I also wanted to ask you a question about exercise. You mentioned there that you're looking forward to doing things like hikes and running around with your grandkids and that. Have you been doing any exercise in this past sort of year? I, mean, I know you've been sick with COVID and recovering, but apart from that, is exercise something you're looking into now? Uh, yeah, I have a treadmill. Uh, I only do about 15 minutes a day on it. Uh, and then I also have uh, sort of a yoga stretching type little 20 minute thing that I do to just try to loosen up my joints and things. And uh, I found as far as weight loss, uh, if I'm more active, I'm probably going to lose a little more weight. But uh, I don't I don't try to exercise to lose weight. I'm just trying to build the, my heart back up from the COVID and uh, trying to, as I'm getting older, trying to keep limber where I can move and uh, just trying to, I know they say it's good to get about 30 minutes a day and that's kind of my goal is to, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump around and run around and hurt my joints when I'm too heavy to do that. Uh, yeah. I think, I think the smaller I get, uh, and the more energy, the more I will just want to be. I want to go hiking in the worst way uh, as soon as it's spring. Uh, I'm starting to feel the desire to be out and working in the garden and hiking and doing things like that. Yeah, and I think that comes as you, you get the weight off. That desire to exercise more comes. For me, it did. Like, you know, when let's face it, when you're really, really heavy or you're obese, the last thing you want to do is go out and exercise and hike and everything right. else because it's just right. too hard. It's really hard. And you're going to drag yourself around, you know, and, and you can hurt yourself as well. And uh, so it's important for people to know your limits and do some gentle exercises and work into it. But as the weight comes off, you can start looking into doing other things. I did a 132-kilometer hike a couple of years yeah. ago, over four days, very, very tough terrain, very hard. Our special forces here in Australia use this particular hike for a training run. That's how hard it is. And um, these guys would never have invited me if they didn't think I could make it. And when we finished the hike, one of them said to me, he said, if we'd have taken you on this hike, you know, when you were obese, we would have had to chop you out of here. He said, you wouldn't have made it. And he said, you've just smashed us all. He said, you were just, you got so much energy from this fasting. And, and they started looking into fasting and they do a bit of it now too. So it's amazing how people see these things and it becomes perpetual. You find that in your circle of friends as well? Yeah, it it feels good now. I've had uh, maybe two people kind of talk to me, okay, well, what are you doing? And, uh, of course, they're a little scared off by fasting. I think, oh, I never could. Um, but I look forward to 
uh, I've always for many years thought when I figure this out, I am going to help other people that haven't figured it out yet. So to me, I'm really excited about being able to start uh, sharing as people ask me. Uh, I've always kind of had a policy that I wouldn't tell people how I was losing weight until I could maintain it. And then I never could maintain it. Uh, so I'm, I'm always a little hesitant. And yet I just feel so confident with fasting, uh, both because of what I see in me and what I see in other people, that uh, as people are ready, I can share that with them. Yeah. And it's important then, like, you know, to recognize that not everybody is on Instagram, not everybody is on Facebook, and not everybody is comfortable about sharing stuff on Facebook or Instagram or putting their private thoughts and being vulnerable or posting photos of themselves, you know, before and afters. That, that takes a lot. It's a very vulnerable yeah. sort of thing to do that. And that's why I say to people, you know, there are other support mechanisms. That's why people come to me for one-on-one -on -one coaching because they say, hey, Graham, I don't want to be on, I'm in your Facebook group, but I don't want to talk about it. I'd rather just have a chat with you privately. And people can do that if they go to the fastinghighway.com, they can book in with me. But some people choose to do that. Others are in the group. They're out there. They talk about it. I found it was really good to talk about my issues and my problems. And when I was on Jim Stevens' podcast, uh, episode 23, I think it was, way back in 2019, I remember just sitting there thinking, I'm going to talk about things I've never talked about with anyone in my life. And after that podcast, I had my closest friends that had known me all my life and my family say to me, wow, we never realized what you were going through or what, what was happening to you. Why didn't you tell us? And I said, well, I couldn't talk about it. You, a closet eater doesn't come and talk about their closet eating every day. But <laughs> once I got that out in that podcast, I was able to start sharing with people more. And then things spiraled, as you know. And then I wrote the book and I created a group. And the group went from two, two people to 8,500 people in very quick time now. And it's just great to see this and to be able to share with people this great thing we do called intermittent fasting. But before we go today, what I want to do with um, and talk about is you just mentioned there you love to share it. If you're sitting down in Roanoke, Virginia, there in a cafe with your friends and your husband and they say to you, hey, Linda, we really want to get going with this. What would be the words of advice that you would give them knowing what you know now? Uh I think p different people are different in how they approach it, but my advice would be, well, first to to get the books, to get your book, to get Jen's books, uh, and and learn about it, uh, and then just to to ease into it as you are able to, you know, uh, to not feel like you have to be doing alternate day fasting from the first day, uh, although some people have are able to do that. Uh, my advice would be to uh, take it one step at a time and uh, ease into it, you know, skip breakfast and see how that feels and and just work your way up and pay attention to, to what you eat and how you feel and go at your own pace. And what's your hope for intermittent fasting, Linda, in terms of, I don't think it's anywhere near mainstream at the moment. Um, you know, it's certainly more well-known than probably what it was, or it's in the sort of limelight a little bit, I guess, through, you know, what we're doing. But what's your hope? Where do you, where do you hope intermittent fasting goes as an alternative for obese people? Oh, I would love for it to be um, widely, so widely known that at least people have a, an awareness of it. And I think it could be a domino effect, you know, as 
as you see people losing weight and you ask this person you ask that person oh you're doing fasting too and but i, I guess it's got to be kind of a word of mouth uh social media is a good place for it um but i think you're impacted you know i know uh i know a couple of people who are doing intermittent fasting that live near me and that didn't used to be uh you didn't know anybody uh so i think it's spreading and i i would love to see it just continue just through people's life experience and being seen you know it's not a big money maker so you don't have uh, a lot of people jumping on the bad wagon to sell things uh i hope that doctors will begin to recognize it you know and you're seeing more studies uh being done uh doctors start recommending it to their patients uh that's huge too yeah 100 percent. it's definitely getting more out there in fact i was just at a doctor's yesterday just getting a referral for an appointment i've got coming up and he was talking about intermittent fasting he said you know what graham he said um nobody bats an eyelid about it anymore he says just the thing people do he said we're very accepting of it he said you know he can't argue with your example he just he pointed at me he said you can't argue with your example and he said and that's the thing he said it, you know it's not bad for you he said what's bad for you is being obese and carrying all this weight putting that strain on your heart and your organs and everything else and he said you know it's certainly a better alternative than weight loss surgery because all the people i've interviewed yeah. that have had weight loss surgery on this podcast have all said that if they had more education about intermittent fasting and what, what was it about they probably would have gone down that path rather than had the surgery but Linda, I cannot tell you how great it's been to talk to you today. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I really look forward to having you on again in six to 12 months because I want to see where your journey goes. And I'm really excited yeah. for you. And I'm so, so proud of you for everything that you've done. And a huge regards to your family and all your children. I'm certainly that proud of their great mum. But thank you for joining me here on the Fasting Highway. Thanks so much. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you so much, Linda. What an amazing person you are. I absolutely love that. Very inspiring. I'm sure you're going to motivate many people around the world. You are truly amazing. Mum of eight children, all homeschooled. Incredible. And that transformation that you've had with living an intermittent fasting lifestyle is just truly mind-blowing. It really is. So thank you for sharing that story here today on the Fasting Highway. And it was a real pleasure. And also, folks, uh, as mentioned there in the podcast, if you do want to come and join the Facebook group, The Fasting Highway, uh, please do so. Uh, come and join the 8,500 people from all over the world there and uh, get some help with your journey. If you're looking for more accountability in a private one-on-one -on -one setting uh, to get some coaching and advice from me, uh, you can do that by going to my website, www.thefastinghighway.com. Click on Get Help Coaching. Uh, all the times you see on the calendar will be in your local time zone no matter where you are in the world you can connect with me and the relevant charges and so forth are there okay folks until next week be well be safe and remember clean fasting is everlasting